0: Greetings and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Amen, amen, amen. All right, everyone, let's stand. And if you would, let's make our declaration, amen? All right, I'm a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father forgives me. And the Father wants me. I am His, and He is mine. My past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me. Because in His presence is where I live. All right. Did you mean it? Because yes. uh, we'll keep doing it until I. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Be seated. Amen. Ah, uh, what a good day, huh? Excuse me. I forgot my stuff down here. Just one more thing. Actually, two more things. Okay. Well, um, as you know, we've been talking about you know, being a disciple and kind of what that looks like and answering the call of a disciple, the whole idea of invitation and challenge. And I think uh, today we'll finish up on that. And then just to tell you a few things that are coming up, uh, tell your friends about it. Um, We're gonna be uh, doing a series uh, through the summer, uh, I believe, and kind of going through uh, a few specific books of the Bible. Um, I'm kind of feeling like maybe uh, uh, probably a... going through Peter and maybe Jude through the summer and uh, looking at some of the things that they bring to the table. And then uh, this fall, uh, um, what we're going to be moving in is we're going to be talking about this idea of covenant and kingdom. And so that'll start probably sometime in, in September or something like that. And so just giving you an idea what to expect a little bit coming up, what we're going to be going through, invite some friends to come who may not have a church to go to, Uh because uh, I think there's going to be a, a good summer leading into a, a good fall as well too, and um, so that's just a little bit of of what's going on. So we've been talking about. Let's wait for a second. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here, Lord, in your words and what you want to say. Mm. Um. So, uh, Jennifer and Steve, as I was worshiping, um, well, I saw you physically, but I also saw you, I think, spiritually. And I think one of the things that the Lord gave me for you guys was don't lose hope. Um, Be encouraged. Um, Don't look at maybe what's happening in the physical, but understand God's God's about to move on your behalf. Uh, I just feel that. And so I just want to encourage you with that to don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged. Um, you're not forgotten, and I think God's going to move sooner uh, on your behalf. So I just I bless you with that in Jesus' name, and I just pray encouragement into your life, into your marriage, into your work, and whatever God, uh, whatever you set your hands to. I pray that you feel the blessing of the Lord upon that in Jesus' name. So let's bless you. Mm. Uh, I'm also feeling this, uh, hearing the word vision, and um, uh, it, what's coming to my mind is maybe you've had some vision about something that God has, is stirring in your hearts, but it's, it feels like unattainable. Is that somebody? Just raise your hand let me know. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, I see those hands, <laughs> you know, I feel feeling like an altar call, okay, yes, awesome, that's good, I got them. I got them. got them. okay, so um, Faith is sometimes spelled risk we, It feels like risk on our end, but it's really it's just walking out what God has spoken or the dreams that he's given you in your life And so there will be some times when your vision will cause criticism maybe in, in other people don't allow that criticism of them and maybe their lack of vision to affect what God is depositing into your heart, okay? God has not called us to be normal. I'm sorry. <laughs> God has called us to be people who live and walk by faith and sometimes just jump right off, okay? Um, that doesn't mean reckless in the sense of not getting counsel or not refining what the vision is, but it means that once, once it's there, you, I've got it, people. I've got vision. Um, I've got vision that if I shared it with you, it would scare you to death. It scares me to death. But the reality of it is it's, it's not something that's going to be accomplished in your own strength and your own might. It's something that God has given you that God is going to perform in and through you okay, so we trust in his word, we trust in his spirit, and so, and we're moving in his timing, nothing can stop you, okay, amen, so allow that vision to continue, Uh, anybody online that's watching, you're included in that as well too, Um, amen, thank you, Lord, Father, we just seal that in, in your holy name. And the goodness of who you are. Hmm. Hmm. Is there anything else, Father? No. Okay. If you open your Bibles to uh Luke chapter 18, verse 18, we're we're gonna look at some different things here. Um uh, Uh, jump around a little bit on this idea of discipleship and uh, i think i put them in order for you i hope i did all right so when you're talking about you know discipleship right you're talking about following him and and, and a little bit in the past we talk about this this idea of invitation and challenge where, where jesus says like in mark chapter one he comes by the disciples he says follow me right there's the invitation. And the challenge is, is I will, and I will make you fishers of men because they were fishers of fish. Right? So he's like, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So there's always an invitation and, and a challenge that comes into following Jesus. You know, I, I'm not going to stay the same as what I was before I accepted the invitation. So the invitation is to come, and, and the challenge is, is, to, is to change. Right? Now, that's not all, you know, it's not like you gotta hurry up and change. It's like, I've, I've gotta be willing and ready to let the Lord do what he wants to do in my life. And it's not always easy, I get that. It sounds good in theory, it's hard in working itself out. And, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old. You know, I've, I've, I've been in church more in my life than I've been out of church. And so, um, I, it, it, it doesn't get necessarily easier in the sense of, it, it's, there's a place that you get to and you arrive to, but it gets easier when you've, you, when you've started this pattern of trusting and walking in the Lord. Amen? Yeah? Some of you probably have a testimony of, of, of the beginning and the middle, and now you've been with the Lord for a few years, and so what should be developing in your lifestyle is more of, well, I'm, I'm recognizing what he's saying, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what he asked me to do, right? Or I'm going to i want to I want to just be his servant I, I want to be his son. I want to be his friend right and And in that is the idea of of knowing his voice, hearing his voice, and following his voice right um, So we have here uh, the idea of this invitation to challenge, but here comes something with the rich young ruler that I, I just want to read to you. it says. Uh, 1818 of Luke he says and a ruler asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said to him Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone You know the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not bear false witness honor your father and your mother And he said all these I have kept from my youth when Jesus heard this he said to them the one thing you still lack Sell all that you have distribute to the poor and I will give you treasure in heaven come follow me When he heard these things he became very sad for he's extremely rich and Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to inherit the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more, or other translations say a hundred times more um, in this time and the age to come in eternal life. Let me work backwards here. So there's nothing that you can leave and walk away from on this earth that you won't receive a hundred times more now and in the age to come. It's not just the age to come he says, what you lay down and walk away from, you will receive a hundred times or many times more now and in the age to come. That's some great multiplication right there. I mean, I'm not a math genius, but I see that and I'm thinking, that's some good stuff, right? There's some things that uh, what we, God is telling us to lay down and, and walk away from, there are blessings that come that he describes as many times more or a hundred times more in this life and the life to come, which means that I cannot outgive him. There's nothing that I can lay down that's too much that he doesn't recompense with me. And, and that's not a, can it be worldly things? Yeah, it can, but in reality, I, I think the majority of that lies in the closeness and the availability of closeness that comes when you've laid other things behind and you've come into his presence. Does that make sense? I mean, who, who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I, there's a lot of things the world can give me, right? They can give me fame. They can give me fortune. I don't have to worry about anything. The world can give me that, but it pales, it's nothing in comparison into walking in closeness with God Maybe like Adam in the cool of the day, pre-fall. Yeah? Okay. So let's move a little closer. Let's, let's start at the beginning then. All right, so the ruler. So again, this guy's rich. He's following the commandments. So there's a recognition that there is something more that he wants, that what he is looking for, he's not finding in the letter of the law. Now, we can, we, can, we can go a lot of different places on this because he says, you know, these things I've kept since, since my birth. Okay, we can argue and say maybe he didn't really understand it, right? Because we know what Jesus said. If you've done it in your heart, you really did it. But he's understanding from uh, uh, pre-grace, so to speak, of Jesus that, you know, I've never physically done these things. I've, I've, I've tried to honor. So he's coming from a, a law kind of background and saying, listen, I've done these things but I, I'm not finding what I think I'm, I'm supposed to, to have in the midst of this, right? I, 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 haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done these things. But we know what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, you know, if you look at a woman with, lust in your heart than you've already done it. We understand that Jesus draws, draws us closer. He doesn't make it easier for us. He, he, he lets us know that sin runs a lot deeper uh, in the heart of a human. And so this guy is, I think, is, is, sometime, is, is somehow recognizing that what I've been doing is not enough. There, there's something more. And in other places in the Bible, Jesus says to him, he's like, oh, you wish to be perfect. Wow that even available? This idea of perfection, Jesus? It's like, you're, you want more. So he says to him, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Well, wait a minute. Now we've got the challenge before the invitation. Because he says, go sell everything, distribute to the poor, and then come follow me. What he's saying to him is, it, you can do the law, keep going, but you're, you're recognizing that there's something more. There, there's something in your life that it, there's a hole there that the things that you've been doing, what you've been latched onto is not filling the hole inside of your life. And let me put it to you this way in, in, in the culture of today that we can understand. It's like there are way too many other lovers in your life. There are way too many other things that you love more than me. You want to be perfect. You got to break it off with these other lovers. You want to enter into relationship with me—a a, a deepness, a closeness. The Lord says, I, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring you and your other wives into this. That's just supposed to be you and I. This is not a a sister wives type of thing. It's it's, it's not that type of a a, a show, a TV show that." This is is intimacy between you and me, and you can't bring those other things that you value as much or more than me into a relationship. To be perfect. Now, we understand that we're not perfect, but he says to be perfect or to fill that thing that's longing inside of you, you gotta let these other things go. Then you and I are going to abide. And then the Father is going to see you as He sees me. See, the Father sees me as perfect. I didn't know if you knew that. The Father sees me as a saint. I don't know if you knew that. Now, Dan has grown up with me since high school. And Dan knows that in this world, that's not true. But I'm not living. As a citizen of this world anymore I'm, li- I'm living as a citizen In the kingdom of heaven And the father Sees me as perfected Because of what Jesus Has done So wh- who are you going to believe and-, and how are you going to walk Are you going to walk And believe what you feel And what the world thinks about you Or do you want to believe What the father says about you Because as I was talking to someone earlier on this week, what you believe will determine the route you take. And I'm not talking heaven and hell here. I'm talking about relationship with the Father. There are people on this earth who have strained relationships with their Father. They love each other. But there's always this... uh, whenever people get together. And I'm telling you, it can kind of be like that in your spiritual walk with your heavenly Father. A lot of times it feels kind of like strained and like, ah, and, and what is going on with that? That's because there's things in my life or your life that we're trying to take along the ride. He's saying, son, daughter, those are things I, I don't want you to have. They don't bring the good. They bring distraction and keep you from the pure relationship with me. And so the rich young ruler has got a choice to make. The challenge is, hey, sell everything. Because what does it matter if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? What does it matter if I have everything that this world has to offer me? But in in the in the pursuit of all of it, I, I lose my soul. And I, I think sometimes the Father, uh, through Jesus, is just like almost screaming—not because he's angry, but he's he's like, "Listen, cut it off, get it out. I, I can be everything you need. I am more than." can give you more satisfaction than everything that the world has to offer, and my invitation is for you to come, and the challenge is is to leave the world behind. Come out and be separate. And that's, you know, I'm not talking legalism. Please hear me. I'm talking about how strong is your desire for him or for the things of the world? And so the rich young ruler, uh, he goes away sad because he was rich. And so here's a guy who was faced with the ultimate decision. He sees him. uh, This is my assumption. He'd probably seen some of the things that Jesus had done as well too. At least heard about it. Comes and meets him and probably in his version wants to bring Jesus along for his ride. I'm gonna do all these things, I'm gonna be rich and blah, 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 but I'm gonna add Jesus for like a just in case and it's not Jesus take the wheel, it's Jesus ride in the back seat and keep quiet till I need you. I know that's not done today, but back here in the Old Testament, or in in when Jesus' time, there were some struggles with that. We want all the blessings. We want all the promises, but we really don't want any of the intimacy. We don't want any of the challenge stuff. We don't really want to become changed. Just leave me alone and give me my stuff. Thus saith the prodigal son. Been there, done that, checked the box, got the t-shirt. You know? And and, and the struggle is is because in with my eyes and my senses I look at this stuff i feel that it's good and i want to grasp it but there's something in my spiritual sense that my my spiritual spider sense that's tingling that says there's don't There's something more. You may not be able to see it, but you can sense it inside of you, the longing of your heart that's beckoning you to go to this side where he is and to leave this stuff aside and and hedge your bets and put all your eggs in that basket. You ever heard that? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm telling you, put all your eggs, every future egg, squeeze that chicken wherever egg it can get out and throw it into the basket of the Lord, man. Because it is good. He is the one that never leads us astray. The world lies to you. The people of the world will lie to you. The people of the world will say they like you, but in reality, they hate you. There's nothing good that comes from that. This is why he says, taste and see that I am good. You know, I I haven't been to a buffet in a long time. I'd like to say it's because we've got discipline, but mostly it's because of COVID. <laughs> but the buffets are starting to open back up. And one of the buffets uh, I go to, uh, I have gone to in the past, is um, this little uh, Chinese restaurant in Clinton on Yen, Yen They got a nice buffet. And, but right at the end of the buffet is these, these, little, these little rolls with powdered sugar on them. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, amen, let's get there. Okay. And you're seeing all the good stuff that's on the buffet, right? Most of it, you know, is good. Unless you don't like Chinese food, then this does not work for you. But you, you're looking at stuff, but you're just waiting to get to that good stuff at the end, right? The dessert, so to speak. So you, you, you feel that desire. Like, yes, I see the Vegetables yes, I see all this other stuff, but down here is the really good part. And let me tell you something. It's probably a horrible analogy, but he is the good stuff on the buffet. He sets a buffet table where everything that is set in that place is good for you, spirit, soul, and body. There's no fast food on the buffet table of the Lord. Everything that he gives you is good. It tastes good, it feels good, and it produces good things in your life. But there are some who have everything, you would think have everything in this world. And the fight seems to be bigger. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's a tough statement. But when you think about how much a lot of people slave and sacrifice to get those riches, there's a lot of work that goes into that, doesn't it? There's a lot of pride about doing things by, by the sweat of my own brow and by my own hand. And it's hard to let go of that power and that prominence and that respect that comes maybe comes from the world. And everybody likes it when somebody says, I want to be like you. The problem is is when the weight of that. And these guys are going to say, who can be saved? He's like, listen, it's impossible with Man. Hear me, it is impossible for you to become saved from this side of reality. From the earth, it is impossible for you to be saved. You can't do it. You're imperfect. You'll never please perfection, which is why perfection came. But with God, all things are possible, so God set in motion this idea of salvation that comes from his position not your position it comes from his position came down to your position and now those who are in him are seen through Christ as holy as saints as pure and the father desires to be with you that's not something that's hard work that's not something that maybe in 20 years that's something that is available now. If you look to John uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 1, um, so we've, we've got the rich, rich young ruler, right? In, in chapter 12, um, we have uh, something going on here. It's six days before Passover, and Jesus, uh, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him, Martha served. And Lazarus was one reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, uh, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed his feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with, hair, with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of its perfume. But Judas, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag he used to Help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not always have me. Look at Luke um, 7, uh, 30, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat at his house, and we went to the Pharisee's house. He reclined at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she leaned, learned that he was reclining at a table, and the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and is standing there behind him, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So, by definition of the law, this woman is a sinner. Because she is a sinner, she cannot, by virtue of the law, come and be a part of anything holy. She's not just a sinner. She's a prostitute. Okay? Now, back then, one of the worst things that you can be in, pretty much no redemption from that according to the law. The the men of the day would have no problem going to the prostitute, but they would have a hard time having the prostitute come to them when they were in their vestments or wherever else by the temple or anything else. Jesus is the only one who sees value in the prostitute. Jesus is the only one who sees value in the tax collectors. Jesus is the only one who sees value in those who everybody, the religious people, would call sinners. So something sparks in this woman, doesn't it? Standing behind him, at his feet, weeping. Why is she weeping? Why is she weeping? I mean, does it make sense? She's standing behind him, weeping him. Weeping, weeping him. (laughs) She's standing behind him, at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment what is moving in her because she is doing first of all she's touching a guy and eh, right wrong second of all by some he's considered a holy guy and eh, that's wrong he, don't touch a guy and especially not a holy guy Right? And, and don't be involved in it around him. Listen, you're, you're lucky that he even walks by you in, in this culture, right? So keep your mouth shut and, and be lucky you're not getting stoned, right? But there's something that is working inside of her that knows that there's something different in him that she recognizes in her heart, in her soul, that there's something in him that has, sees value in her, something she's probably never, ever really had in her life. Maybe when she was little, maybe she had a father that maybe he was kind to her, maybe, maybe. But in this culture, probably not. And so she has no value. And so the only way she can, she, she can do anything to make any money, money whatsoever is to prostitute herself out. Listen, I, you know, we think how horrible that could be. But listen, you're a, you're a stone's throw away from doing the most imaginable thing, horrible things in your life when you see people you love suffer. We all like to take the high road. I will suffer for Jesus. But what happens when there's no food on your plate for your children? All of a sudden it's like we got to do something. We, 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 we've got to feed, and all of a sudden, we're, we're seeing people we know suffer because of maybe our beliefs, and, and so all of a sudden, we've we, we got to do something, and all of a sudden, the thought of stealing, we begin to what? Rationalize it in my mind that God wouldn't want my children to suffer, so I, I've got to go do something, I, and then all the thing, it, it starts to move, doesn't it? And then you get trapped, because now you've done something that you know is wrong, but your children are suffering, or somebody you love is suffering, and so what do we do with that huh? You're only a stone's throw away from that people, that decision. I'm not saying you'll you'll always cave, but there's pressures out there that sometimes us in the first world don't understand third world where the poverty is so beyond unbelief that people are doing anything they can just to survive. And if you're religious you throw stones because you've never walked in those shoes I hope that day never comes but I don't know so she's done things that have brought nothing but judgment on her as a, as a, as a woman in a culture that hated her anyway was, the deck was already stacked against her because of her gender and she's done things to either provide for herself or who knows what else And Jesus doesn't excuse it. He has decided not to judge it. He has decided to take it upon himself because of the value that he sees in her. And at this moment, she's weeping because it's probably the first time in her life that somebody, she's ever sensed that, especially from a man. There's nothing like erotic about this. There's nothing, it's just pure, he saw me, right? He didn't judge me, he didn't hate me. He loved me. And so she has this ointment, doesn't she? This very expensive ointment well how does she get it why does she have it because she's a prostitute and she at least wants to smell pretty i mean showers were not readily available in that day just being honest so a lot of the things they would do to cover the smell is is not about so much bathing but just spray on some ointment make yourself at least smell somewhat good and there's this is expensive stuff. This is her the livelihood of her old life. And she comes before him and the only thing she can offer him is her life. She pours it out upon his feet. This stuff that would make her money in the world. She's like, there's no value in that old lifestyle. I will pour this out at your feet. Here is my life. As she's weeping, as she's wetting his feet with her tears and she's With her hair, she's wiping it. I'm not so sure her hair would be cleaner than a towel, but it's all she's got. She's pouring it out. She's put all her eggs into that basket. She's poured out everything that could probably give her money. She's seen an invitation and she's accepted the challenge and what might have brought her profit in the world, she was losing her soul with. Now she may not have a way to make money, but she's got wholeness, maybe for the first time in her life. And by his standards, she's, I know this may sound wrong, but she seems to have more value than those who invited him for dinner who were Pharisees. Because she's the only one that recognizes her need for him. Although all the others were like, yeah, well, seems pretty cool. Have him over for dinner. And we know this because because he's like, he turns... um, he goes, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. He's like, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, numerous, all of them, are forgiven. Are forgiven. She has loved much. And he looks at her and he says, Your sins are forgiven. That's probably going to start a fight with religious people. Another Mary in John chapter 12 anoints him as well too. We can't seem to get away from this anointing stuff, can we? We can't seem to get away from these, these people, these women that are, that are pouring everything out upon him. This extravagant thing that they have, that they give, that they could save for themselves, they could sell in times of, of, of need or, or whatever's going on, that they could keep back for a rainy day. But hear it. You're keeping back something for a rainy day from the man who can calm the sea and the storms. And she's like, they're pouring this stuff out. My question to you is, what have you offered him? What have you offered him? Will I go to church? Amen. That's a doing. Lastly, uh, Luke 7. Oh, yes, excuse me, Luke uh, 10. Starting in 38. Now as, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she is... She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, said, Martha, Martha. No. He's like, Martha. He doesn't say it twice. It's just, it's just loud. It's not Martha. It's Martha. Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Sometimes we're unable to give because we're too anxious and we're too troubled about the things of this world. And I looked it up, and it's, it's, very, it's very interesting that anxious means, well, anxious, <laughs> to be troubled with cares or being cared or provided for. You're troubled. Troubled. There's nothing super hidden in the Greek here. It just says, listen, you have anxiety and you're anxious and you've got, and you've got troubles on your mind. And, and I don't know if anybody here has ever struggled with, but you think your doing is more important than your being. And so you're working so hard to make sure everybody gets served, but you're missing the most important thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her because of the anxieties and the troubles that you have. As a matter of fact, there's an invitation, Martha, for you as well to come be by my feet, but you're more concerned about doing. Been there? Done that? Haven't had time with him this morning, or I really haven't had time, much time to be in, in the Word this week, so I'll, just, I'll do something else to, to make up for it. Doing doesn't make up from, for being. Doing is done from being, not for being. That's the right kind of doing. So the invitation to you is, is, is this. It, it's, it's nothing hard. It's nothing like you gotta do this quick. It's, it's nothing like that. It's not hurry up and get this. It's not. That's anxiety. That's trouble. It's not that. It's just you know, maybe I can step back and just be with him. Maybe it's not hurry about and and hurry up and, and do all these bunch of things to make him happy. Maybe his happiness and his delight can be experienced from being with him. I'm not striving to make him happy. He's happy. I'm not striving to be accepted by him. I'm accepted. And the realization of that comes when I stop striving for things that, that don't really matter. I, I, I kind of stop being a Martha. And listen, most of us can identify with Martha. There's a lot of things to do. We've got cookouts. We've got all these different kinds of things. We've got all this stuff going on at the church and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And, and where's the being in all of that? Where's the, take, where's the stopping? like listen I, I'm just gonna be a son or his daughter and what he calls me to do from that time with him is what I'll do but you know you can't do everything and those who are wrapped up in doing are always trying to do everything because that's where their identity is found and those who are wrapped up in being will be looked upon as lazy by those who are wrapped up in doing because they're just being nobody should be in a hurry to get out of the presence to go do it's available for you and it's not about let's get, let's get you prayed and, and healed and delivered it's, it's not about that it's about faith do you believe it that he accepts you that he accepts you I don't care what kind of troubles that you've been through. Those troubles, that past life, has nothing and no place in the glory of who he is. There's nothing hidden about you that you've done that he doesn't know about. There's nothing hidden about what you're going to do that he doesn't know about. Yet, he still extends the invitation to you to come and be. And be. Don't allow the thoughts of this world and the worries and the anxieties and all that stuff to keep you from just being with Him. Amen? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at... Aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.